The holidays are times of cocktail parties and social obligations. It's not uncommon to have a tipple or two when you're out with friends to help you warm up from the cold weather. This drink may remind people of a certain cat and mouse couple, but its origins go back even further. This frothy warm cocktail is a near cousin to the titular holiday drink eggnog and even comes in its own serving container. We're exploring the history and origins of this American classic, the Tom and Jerry. Welcome to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. This is a bonus episode of the podcast I like to call Seasons Eatings Side Dish. We're focusing on dishes that don't usually get the spotlight during the holidays. This season, I wanted to change it up a little bit and turn the focus on some seasonal beverages. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Seasons Eatings is also found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you love the show, then I humbly ask you to share this podcast with someone you think would love to hear about the history of Christmas and the foods which shape the holiday we love so much. And if you want to give me suggestions for future episodes, just email me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. All the links for the show can be found in the show notes at seasonseatingspodcast.com. It's the beginning of the Burr months, and the days are getting a little cooler and shorter. We gather together to meet with friends and family to share maybe a cocktail or two. In the U.S., one particular drink gained traction and even has its own serving bowl. I wish to thank longtime listeners to the podcast Lenore for this suggestion for this episode. She sent me an article about the cocktail, and I was fascinated. When I hear the name of Tom and Jerry, the first thing that comes to my mind is that cartoon cat and mouse. But the Tom and Jerry cocktail is a traditional Christmas time cocktail in the United States. It's a variant of eggnog served warm with rum and brandy. It's often attributed to British writer and professional boxing journalist Pierce Egan in the 1820s. Tom and Jerry, or Life in London, was first staged in 1821 as one of several stage play adaptations of Pierce Egan's popular book, Life in London, published earlier in that year. Its most successful production at the Adelphi Theatre in the West End saw Tom and Jerry become the first play to have a continuous run of 100 performances in London. The play depicts the adventures and misadventures of two young men in London, encountering both high and low life. Egan's stories became popular enough that several theatre houses copied his ideas and came out with their own version of his stories. It is said that Egan took an eggnog recipe and named it Tom and Jerry to help promote his plays and stories. However, there is no mention of this in Egan's official biography or any historical archive to support the story. Nevertheless, since the Tom and Jerry adventures were so popular in the early 1820s, it's possible there was some credence to the fact that someone made a drink after the highly popular plays and book. 
After the publication of Egan's book and the various theatrical adaptations, the term Tom and Jerry entered the English language. The Oxford English Dictionary cites examples of its use to describe young men giving to drinking and gambling and riotous living. In the U.S., Australia, and Britain throughout the 19th and 20th centuries and into the 21st. In British usage, a Tom and Jerry shop was a 19th century term for a small tavern or alehouse, especially one regarded as disreputable. In American usage, the phrase Tom and Jerry became to apply from at least the 1840s to an alcoholic drink resembling eggnog. The use of the names for the popular cartoon Cat and Mouse is evidently unconnected with Egan's heroes. The names of the feline and rodent protagonists were chosen from suggestions by hundreds of MGM employees in a competition before the series was launched in 1940. The Tom and Jerry drink serves as the main device in the story I Used to Go Nuts at Christmas by Yogi Jorgensen from 1949. The song is made of two parts. The first is a short musical number in which Yogi shops for his wife and considering buying a nightgown for his wife but not knowing her size, opts to buy her a carpet sweeper as a gift to her. The second is a parody of the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas. The spoken monologue begins with a peaceful house on Christmas Eve as Yogi sneaks off to the local bar. Instead of staying to his original plan of drinking a single beer, he gets caught in the Christmas spirit and binge drinks a dozen Tom and Jerry's. Yogi comes home seriously drunk and gets too little sleep before Christmas morning arrives and the children wake him up. The severely hungover Yogi must not only cope with his rambunctious children, but both his own relatives and his wife's, who do not get along with each other, but nevertheless both visit the house for Christmas dinner. The in-laws quickly get drawn into an argument that soon escalates into violence. As Gabriel Heater's voice is heard reciting the Annunciation to the Shepherd preaching peace and goodwill, just at that moment, someone slugs Uncle Ben. The monologue ends with the fight spilling out of the house and Yogi grateful that Christmas only comes once a year. Jerry Thomas, who is considered the father of modern mixology, was known to claim that he invented the Tom and Jerry. Although he published a similar egg-based cocktail in his 1862 book, How to Mix Drinks or the Bon Vivant's Companion, Thomas told a reporter in the New York Times that one day in California, a gentleman asked me to give him an egg beaten up in sugar. I prepared the article and then I thought to myself, how beautiful the egg and sugar would be with brandy in it. I ran to the gentleman and said, if you'll only bear with me for five minutes, I'll fix you up, fix you up a drink that'll do your heartstrings good. He wasn't at all adverse to having his heartstrings improved, so back I went and mixed the egg and sugar, which I'd beaten up into a kind of a batter, with some brandy. Then I poured in some hot water and stirred vigorously. Drink realized my expectations. It was the one thing I had been dreaming of for months. I named the drink after myself. I had two small white mice in those days, one of which I called Tom and the other Jerry. 
I combined the abbreviations in the drink as Jeremiah P. Thompson would have sounded rather heavy and wouldn't have done that for a beverage. John Dye, the owner of Bryant's Cocktail Lounge in Milwaukee's South Side, calls Tom and Jerry's the quintessential Wisconsin cocktail. Brandy Old Fashioned fans might quibble, but Tom and Jerry's are certainly popular during the winter holiday season, from Thanksgiving on because they're warm, sweet, frothy, and taste great on a cold night. They've been described as warm custard in a glass. Some bakeries and bars make their own Tom and Jerry mix, while at least two Wisconsin manufacturers produce the batter for sale at grocery and liquor stores. Connolly's Tom and Jerry mix made in Superior and Mrs. Bowen's Tom and Jerry made in Manitowoc by Cedar Crest Ice Cream. Tom and Jerry's are served on weekends throughout December at Bryant's Cocktail Lounge in a special upstairs room. Di dedicated a room to Tom and Jerry's five years ago because they're a bit messy to make. What I love about this cocktail is that it incurs a culinary side as well as a spirit side, says Adam Jed of Blue Stern Brasserie in San Francisco who spent the last decade making the Tom and Jerry for his in-laws, but just this year took the plunge to ladle into warm mugs for his customers from early November through the end of December. That culinary side helps Audrey Saunders, owner of New York City's Pegu Club, to meet out the procedures into tasks that can easily be broken down. It's not about stability, she says. It's more about logistics. Two minutes to assemble her mise en place of food processor, container, spatula, sugar, spices, Angostura bitters, vanilla, and eggs. Two minutes to crack and separate the egg yolks and whites. Two and a half minutes to run the egg whites in a food processor and transfer to a bowl. One minute to process the egg yolks into the food processor until they're thin and runny. And two and a half minutes to continue to run egg yolks and incorporate sugar, spices, rum, vanilla, and Angostura bitters alternating between adding one cup of sugar at a time and some of the liquid ingredients. Another secret? Don't bother with the old porcelain bowl and mug sets, which are impractical. Who in their right mind is going to expose egg batter out in the open to fester at room temperature, she says. I want mine to come directly out of a fridge. Saunders stores her batter in flip-top mason jars. For safety reasons, Saunders suggests sanitizing all cylinders and countertops that came into contact with raw egg batter immediately after use. Saunders also cautions that the batter should be refrigerated immediately after preparation and never allowed to sit at room temperature. It should be stored no higher than 41 degrees Fahrenheit, she says. Once prepared, the refrigerated batter could only be used for 48 hours at the maximum. If there's any leftover at that point, chuck it. We'll find out how to make the drink and the history of the bowl it's served in after the break. What does a poet and his friends who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. 
Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up. The fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. Grab a cup of cheer and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. Hey everyone and welcome aboard. My name is Chris Kringle, host of the Kringle Talks Christmas podcast, a fun new podcast all the way from sunny old England. If you like listening to cool Christmas stories, traditions and some old personal favourites, then head on over to Kringle Talks Christmas. The episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts and you can also follow me on Twitter, which is at Christmas Talks, spelt K-R-I-S-T-M-A-S Talks. Welcome once again and I hope to see you soon. If you don't have the space to dedicate a whole room to making your Tom and Jerry's, your kitchen will do fine. Making the Tom and Jerry is similar to making an eggnog. You beat the egg whites and salt in a large glass mixing bowl until stiff peaks form. In a separate bowl, beat well the egg yolks and vanilla extract. Mix butter and powdered sugar by hand in a large bowl until the sugar is incorporated with the butter. Mix with beaters until light and fluffy. Add egg yolks to butter mixture and mix. Stir in nutmeg, cloves, and allspice, then add beaten egg whites. Beat well until blended, but be careful not to overmix. Note, the batter tastes best if used fresh. It will last about two days in the refrigerator, or it can be frozen. Now, to serve your Tom and Jerry's, pour one ounce of warm brandy and one ounce of warm dark rum into a warm mug. Top with hot water. Stir in one heaping tablespoon of Tom and Jerry batter. Top with nutmeg and garnish with a cinnamon stick. Another method of creating the drink uses egg whites beaten stiff with yolks and sugar folded back in. An optionally vanilla extract is added. A few spoonfuls are added to a mug, then hot milk and rum are added, and it's topped with nutmeg. Pre-made Tom and Jerry batter, typically produced by the manufacturers in Wisconsin and the Dakotas, are sold in regional supermarkets during the Christmas season. The Tom and Jerry reached its height of popularity in the early to mid-1900s, and many manufacturers started creating special punch bowl sets specifically for serving the cocktail, identified by the words Tom and Jerry on the bowl. The drink has gained popularity again in recent years, but never really fell out of favor in the Midwest, where you can find pre-made batter to make the drink easily at home. Antiquated drinks such as these largely fell out of fashion in the 20th century, first hobbled by a lean modern aesthetic, and then given the shiv by prohibition. Surprisingly, Tom and Jerry came back, and in a big way after repeal, 
The Tom and Jerry is an old-time drink that is one again used by one and all in the country to celebrate Christmas, wrote Damon Runyon in 1932, adding that it was so popular that many people think Christmas was invented only to furnish an excuse for a hot Tom and Jerry. While cocktail historian David Wondrich has done deep research on the Tom and Jerry itself, debunking the notion that Jerry Thomas came up with the drink, a falsehood that Thomas propagated himself, the history of Tom and Jerry drinkware hasn't been well documented. It's very possible that the Tom and Jerry bowl, most often ceramic with the punch's name printed on the side, was the first piece of barware made expressly for one specific drink. Wondrich points out to the first appearance of a Tom and Jerry bowl in the New York Times, the recounting on February 6, 1864, of a bar fight that ended in a death. When deceased ran and jumped over the bar, as he went over, he struck a Tom and Jerry bowl and fell. While he was down, the prisoner leaned over the bar and fired the pistol at him. Deceased exclaimed, I'm shot. The prisoner then turned around and threatened to shoot us all. I ran away and went into the rear yard. The prisoner seemed to be sober. Through the late 1930s, Tom and Jerry was a harbinger of the holidays, and bars lured in customers with the promise of a warm, creamy, delicious drink. Home entertaining was also ascendant, and Tom and Jerry became adept party crashers. Historians are unclear as to why the Tom and Jerry has become such a Christmas staple in the Midwestern United States, but it was popular enough to merit a cottage industry of Tom and Jerry drink sets, consisting of punch bowls and mugs inscribed with the drink's name in Old English font. Milk glass Tom and Jerry sets produced by the Hazel Atlas and McKee glass companies were fairly common in the 1940s through the 1960s. Society pages in the 1940s frequently mentioned Tom and Jerry parties being held at the best homes. The lady pages in the papers offered tips on what foods to accompany the drink. Rituals, whether ancient or invented, emerged. Let the guest stir their own drink as it's part of the custom of drinking a Tom and Jerry, a Wisconsin newspaper suggested in 1955. Advertisements for Tom and Jerry bowl sets crowded the pre-holiday news pages. If you didn't want to buy one, Dave's in Oregon offered sets for rent. They came in a variety of styles, some looking Victorian, but many with modern colonial motifs like carriages and silhouetted figures in top hats and hoop skirts. The lettering was often in a heavy Teutonic script presumably a nod to the old world North and Kris Kringle. Saunders's long-held interest in the Tom and Jerry and its stylish trappings is what brought bartender John Gertson into the game of chasing these bowl sets. He distinctly remembers seeing the Japanese Art Deco Bowl on the Bellman's Bar in 2002 when Saunders was running the show there. He searched around and found a cream-colored Homer Laughlin ceramic version with gold leaf lettering and matching drawn wasted cups. It became a fixture on the bar at Boston's Number no. 9 Park, where he was in charge of drinks at the time. Over the years, he's lived by the rule that he'd only whip up his first batch of Tom and Jerry's, which he refers to as liquid internal sweater, with the first snowfall of the year. 
His guests were such huge fans of the drink and the bowl that one year a regular from New Hampshire drove down with fresh snow to encourage Gertson to make the drink ahead of Boston's first snow. When Gertson opened drink with Chef Barbara Lynch in Boston's Fort Point in 2008, he made a communal drinking the mission of the bar. Tom and Jerry's were a natural fit. He began stockpiling bowls, a black one from Hall China with glitzy gold writing, a cobalt blue Japanese bowl which came as a gift from a friend. He even caved and bought some of the ubiquitous milk glass bowls and cups from companies like Hazel Atlas, Anchor Hawking, and McKee. A New York Times article about the cocktail quotes author Jim Drager, who wrote a book on Wisconsin's historical tavern, as surmising that the Tom and Jerry became a Wisconsin staple because the state has an affinity for brandy drinks and is well known as a dairy state. Perhaps more than anything, the intense cold of the American Midwest has arguably solidified this warming drink staying power in the winter drinking traditions of the region. Thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eating Side Dish. Seasons Eatings is available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can, leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. And I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com and let me know how you like the show or give me a suggestion for future episodes. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Season's Eatings also has some great items for you or your loved ones for the holiday season. So head on over to seasonseatings.podcast.com, click on the merchandise tab to find your next great gift. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and thank you for listening and tune in for another serving of Season's Eatings. Season's Eatings is also part of the Christmas Podcast Network. Whatever interest you have with the holidays, there's probably a podcast out there discovering that topic. You can find Seasons Eatings with all the other podcasts at christmaspodcasts.com. Drop on by to find your next podcast addiction. All music for Seasons Eatings is used under the Creative Commons license.